We play, we're present. We can't help it when we're younger. As I've grown to the age that I am, it's been a choice. It's become more and more of a discipline, of a practice to remain open, to be present, to be available, to co-generate the moment that I'm in, to be a, a participant as well as a listener. And I think the arts really do teach us to be great listeners, to be great observers. Home with Growing Older is a nonprofit organization which believes in peer learning and creating discussions which bring the lens of aging to a variety of topics. At Home with Growing Older is proud to be your host of At Home on Air, a bi-weekly radio hour offering connection, community, and knowledge to our participants remotely. Now, we invite you to listen and learn from this live recorded episode of At Home on Air. Welcome to another episode of At Home on Air, Conversations That Matter for the Quality of the Experience of Later Life. I am Susie Stadler, an architect and the executive director of At Home with Growing Older, a community learning platform and the producer of this program. Evan Johnson, program director at Lake Merritt Independent Senior Living, playwright, performer, creative producer, teaching artist, and community builder is our guest. And Donna Shemp, one of the founding members of At Home with Growing Older, a geriatric care manager and the person with the best laughter in our group will be the host. I can't imagine a better match. Welcome, Evan and Donna. Thank you so much for being in a conversation about the role of art in later life and Evan's unique approach to it art, creative engagement, and the chance to play are proven pillars of wellness. Before we start, I just wanted to remind everyone of our format. Evan and Donna will talk for about 30 minutes, and then we'll open up the conversation for audience Q&A. So let's jump in, Evan and Donna. Thank you. Hi, Evan. I'm so excited to do this because I've heard such wonderful things about you from Beth McLeod. So I wanted to start with, why do you think that the creative arts are a positive opportunity for older adults? Creative arts have been a pillar in my life. I know you mentioned that word pillar. It made me think how much the arts have gifted me with just an expansive perspective. I love the arts and I have since I was very young and I know just from my own personal lived experience, the value of being an artist, of thinking creatively. As I have aged, I know I'm now in my mid-30s. You know, it's something that when we're children, we do so naturally and we play, we're present. We can't help it when we're younger. And as I've grown to the age that I am, it's been a choice. It's become more and more of a discipline, of a practice to remain open, to be present to be available, to co-generate the moment that I'm in, to be a participant as well as a listener. And I think the arts really do teach us to be great listeners, to be great observers. And that's just something that I bring to every encounter I have with older adults. I find the, the work that I do incredibly inspiring. So I think that's why I keep doing it. It's really driven by my own curiosity and an inspiration. I think that's what the arts have always been for me is an outlet and a space of expression as well as learning and growth. So what surprised you and what have you learned by working with older people? I'm surprised all the time. I, I feel like I 
try to live in a state of surprise <laughs> or a, <laughs> I try to as much as possible resist expectations. I think the process of art making is so wonderful for allowing us to be surprised. The arts give us an opportunity, all of us, to engage and to find purpose in the act of discovery, the act of connection with both the materials we're working with and our collaborators. So my experience has been one of iteration. I feel like where I am in my life at this moment, it's been a, a process of just iterating and drafting again and again and again and evolving. And when I work with groups of people, or if I work one-on-one -on -one with individuals, those experiences can be extraordinarily surprising. And right now in my role at the Lake Merritt as a program director, I'm responsible for 50 individuals. I am directing programs for the residents at the Lake Merritt, and that experience differs very greatly from when I'm working with the Cosmic Elders Theater Ensemble, which I founded and am the director of this wonderful, extraordinary ensemble of eight older adult performers. And when I'm facilitating a workshop for a short period of time, these experiences are very different. And yet I also am very curious about the common thread again and again, it is about listening and about engaging with the people in the room. I have this idea about facilitating groups that every group is the perfect group. It's kind of coming from my experience from the theater as an actor, that every audience is the perfect audience, that that's where you're getting the most immediate information from. You can't show up expecting to deliver something or be seen in any specific way. You have to really be available to the people in the room and they're going to actually give you so much. And I really think that anything I do comes from this sort of generosity. I want to serve the group that I'm with. And I'm also so hungry to learn about people. I'm endlessly fascinated by people and their stories. So older adults, just like anybody, children, people of any age are intriguing to me. And I work with young people too. Right now I'm doing a once a week class at the little Piedmont Rec Center. And I do it just for fun. You know, it's like now that I have a full-time job, I don't need to do it. But I, I do love having these encounters with young people while simultaneously I'm working full-time with seniors because I think it just gives me so much more information about these things I'm fascinated by, whether it be humor or dramatic tension, imagery, juxtaposition, timing. You know, these are things that really fascinate me. And I feel so lucky every day that I get to really play and, and study and explore these things that interest me so. So what are the specific things that makes working with elders different than, say, working with children? What are the, you know, the advantages, disadvantages of aging? <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly their experiences, their lived experiences, and where people are arriving in a state of play or in a state of, you know, group creativity. Oftentimes with older adults, I find that the real value of the experience is the social connection, being with others in that space. Sometimes it feels like, wow, this is really special. This moment is really unique. And there's a sense of gratitude that I have, but also that I see with groups of people in the workshops or the spaces I enter into, that there's a real sense of awareness about time and real appreciation and gratitude for the presence and the time shared that kids might not be as aware of. So I think that's one distinction I can make. Have you changed how you view aging or your own aging as a result of doing this work? 
Yes, absolutely. You know, I wasn't really fortunate in that way to have older adults in my life as a young person. I grew up without grandparents. And actually, it was in the theater working on productions, local community theater productions, that I was really, for the first time, I guess, teachers as well through grade school, but really being a part of a production, like, say, Wizard of Oz at Theater El Dorado with the Cowardly Lion, who was in his 60s, and working with actors who had more experience than I. There was such reverence and such respect for the performers who had that much more stage time. So I was really attracted to that. And I think I've always been someone who kind of revered folks who who had more experience than I did and listening to the stories and connecting to someone through um, a shared interest, which was theater, still is theater. I think that's what allows me to kind of show up feel like I might have something to offer because I know I love theater and I know I have a passion for it. And I know that I can bring that to the spaces that I enter into. So explain to us about Cosmic Elders and the Toronto Project. What are they and what are you doing? Well, the Cosmic Elders began kind of as a result, naturally, from an improv group. I was working for San Francisco Recreation and Parks Department, and I was teaching kids classes for about nine years. We had developed a kids theater company called the Junior Acting Troupe. We were doing two productions a year, one in the fall, one in the spring, and that was going well. And my supervisor said, why don't we explore senior programming? And she saw that there really was a lack of theater arts for older people. So she had that great foresight. And I said, well, let's start with an improv group and see who we get. After a couple of years of running a weekly improv group with seniors, there was a core group of folks that had just kind of gelled. And I posed the question one day, you know, hey, would you guys be interested in performing publicly? And there was enough interest that I thought, well, let's call this something else because I knew that the value of a drop-in improv group was there. But I also wanted to create another space for us to develop theater together and to rehearse projects and to do it with the idea that we're going to be sharing it publicly at some point. So that's where that started. It became a performance group as opposed to a play group. Yeah, that's correct. So that's how the group formed. Before the pandemic, we had a showcase at the Harvey Milk Center in San Francisco, and I invited several other creative aging groups working with older adults to come and share. We had My Life, My Stories. They had some storytellers. We had the Community Music Center's Older Adult Chorus come and sing. And it was just this wonderful community event. And I'm grateful to say that wherever we are now in the pandemic, we're returning to our Cosmic Elders Showcase programming. We have an upcoming event. So that's very exciting. So in Toronto, there's a wonderful company called the Center for Aging and Brain Health Innovation. And they're a division of Baycrest, which is a really remarkable company. I connected with the executive director of innovation. Her name is Bianca Stern. We had a mutual contact. And she saw the value of improv. They were doing a lot of work with developers and technologists, and they wanted to kind of inspire feedback, you know, people to loosen up and be more comfortable with sharing their points of view. And she said, well, improv, games, (laughs) that could be great. So that's how it first started. We had a, a cohort form online, virtually on Zoom. And I started to connect with the Canadians. And now that's grown a couple of years that I've been doing some programming with them. And it's wonderful. They have a platform called Leap, which is a platform for older adults to connect and engage virtually. And I have a group that meets called Off the Cuff which is really rooted in spontaneous discussion. I really think of my background in theater and devising, you know, in a collaborative way with others as kind of the root of how I'm exploring the conversations with that group of people. So I heard that you have a little audio that might show us a little bit about what you're doing. 
I do. This is actually a fun project we did and it's on YouTube. It's called the voiceover project that we did, the Cosmic Elders and myself. And I have a clip which was performed. The voice you'll hear is Beth McLeod, who I, I know is with us here today. And she was sharing a piece that she found, which I think is really beautiful. I'm talking about the value of, of being an elder. So I thought I would share that with you. When I've passed through different troubled parts of the world and sought local advice, I've seen the same pattern of coping with disaster. What I see consistently is the emergence of individuals who embody that culture's sense of competence into positions of authority. They are its wellspring of calmness. They do not disappear with defeat or after setbacks. They do not require reassurance in their commitments to such abstractions as justice and reverence. In traditional villages, they're called the elders. While that audio is playing in the video, there's some movement happening. This was right in the smack of COVID before the vaccinations were available, and we were playing within the Zoom frame. So I definitely recommend folks check that out on YouTube if you'd like to see some more. That's so that, that quote's from Barry Lopez. Yeah. See, what happened is one of the members of our group, Helen, she doesn't have a computer. And here we were separated, but meeting every week on Zoom. So she was calling in on the phone and I was thinking creatively, like, how are we going to make a project? <laughs> we had been invited to produce a piece through a virtual artist in residence that we had with Deborah Slater, a choreographer in San Francisco. And so we had begun working and we had Helen on the phone and we had everybody, you know, on their different computers. I came up with, well, why don't we, why don't we try a voiceover, playing with voiceover? We talked about all the ways that voiceover could be used, the omnipresent voice of God or somebody's inner thoughts, you know, just different ways. And so that's what we began exploring. Beth brought in that piece. I think that was the prompt as I, I asked everyone to bring a selection of text and to read it for us. And so, you know, Helen was on the phone, she read her piece and everybody had their pieces. And then we said, well, how might we bring these to life, these pieces? I broke up the group into different smaller groups and we began working. That's interesting because, you know, when you first started, you said about the difference between working with young people and older people is the older people are experienced. And, you know, and that sounds like what people brought to that particular activity was the fact that they have a lifetime of experience. Yeah, saying bring a piece of text that resonates with you, you know, that was really kind of a great way to get to know each other as well. You know, what, what words have you kept close over the years? Is there something on your refrigerator that you've cut out? And, you know, maybe there's something there. We really got to connect and learn more about each other. For me, it really helped me get through the pandemic, having some creative projects like that and feeling like we were creating something together. So at Lake Merritt, where you're the program director, what ways have you been able to involve your creativity in what you're doing for the programming there? Yeah, so it used to be the Lake Merritt Hotel. It was built in 1924. It's this beautiful piece of property right on the lake in Oakland. And now it's the Lake Merritt Independent Senior Living is a community of older adults living together. And all of the apartments are, are situated there in the building. We also have a beautiful event space, which is where the residents eat and there's a stage. And so I get to program live performances, classes, 
presenters, discussion groups, and it's a very small team, but really is me and the residents in a constant state of creativity. Every month I make the calendar and it's like a masterpiece, my work of art. No, but I'm always getting feedback and trying to make adjustments and see how it can really reach the specific people that are living there. I have this community of people that I get to focus on in this way and bringing people in from the outside community, thinking about people's lived experiences and how I can leverage those experiences for programming. We have a resident who, he's a retired publisher and he worked for this alternative press. He published books by Robert Anton Wilson and Jerry Garcia and you know these kind of far out characters. And I was like, Peter, you gotta do a presentation. So I went to his apartment and I took photographs of each of his book covers that he had on his shelf and, and inserts as well and opened up the pages and, oh, we got to get that picture. He had pictures from working at Woodstock. He was serving food at, you know, at Woodstock and he had a picture there. So I put together this presentation in collaboration with Peter and he was a new resident. It was his second month of living there. And it was such a great way to introduce him to everybody because they really got a sense of his life's work and what he had done. I got a lot out of that experience of getting to know him and, and seeing him really light up, sharing his stories. And people also were able to make really fast connections with him after, after that. Are you also using like music, dance, obviously storytelling, improv, but I mean, the other kinds of arts, are you incorporating them into what you're doing? Yeah, I have a full staff of instructors. So we have a, an art teacher, we have a music teacher. I'm the drama teacher, go figure. Obviously. <laughs> now we have a drama club and right now we're exploring scripts. We have kind of like a book group of plays that we're reading and then finding selections that we find interesting and I'm making copies and we're doing readings right now. And then, yeah, we've got health and fitness classes, walking groups. We do arts and culture. I mean, yeah, you name it. I drive a huge Mercedes Sprinter van that seats 12. So I'm, sometimes I'm a bus driver. <laughs> so I'm really stretching myself and using every skill I have. I've got a full plate. For sure. Yeah, I'm sure you do. And so how do you see your own aging at this point? What's your fantasy for yourself when you're 65? I hope to be a part of a community. I hope to feel connected to a community in some way and connected to the arts as well, to have an outlet for the arts. I hope maybe by the time I retire, you know, I can be a full-time artist again. That sounds pretty amazing. Making theater with my friends, that's my favorite thing to do. So I hope I'm doing a lot of that. And I understand you do some writing of plays too. Yes. For 12 years, I lived in San Francisco and was writing and producing my own work as well as teaching. Teaching really began for me as a way of making an income. I had been a barista <laughs> and a server and these other jobs. And then, you know, I thought, well, hey, why don't I teach after school drama classes? And that'll be a little closer to what I love. So working with kids after school led to getting hired by the city, Parks and Rec, and then working with seniors. You can trace the lines to how I got to where I am now. It's quite interesting. So with that, we should look at what comments and questions have come up. You are listening to At Home On Air. We are now switching to questions by participating audience members in this recorded live episode. If you want a chance to ask your question, visit us at athomewithgrowingolder.org and register for the next live episode. So I'm going to start with Crystal, who says, out of curiosity, have you experienced a significant difference in how extroverts and introverts respond to your various programs? What is the approximate percentage of introverts who participated 
And did they return for more? Great question. You know, it's interesting. Yes. And I've explored how I talk about the work that I do or what I call the workshops that I'm offering. To your point, the off the cuff group that I'm doing is not called an improv class, <laughs> but we're exploring spontaneous responses. So, you know, it's funny how language is so important there in terms of setting up kind of the framing of what people can expect. And yeah, I'm always a theater artist, but I'm also kind of shifting myself into different spaces so that I fit with who I'm working with. And people who are more introverted, I find that if I notice that about someone, everything I do, I try to be gentle. I certainly am not trying to impose any way of being on anybody. So I'm always curious. I'm always interested in people. I, I do encourage people to share, you know, or not. And I try to make those kinds of prompts very clear that anybody can opt out. Anyone can go at any time, especially at my job at the Lake Merritt. I want people to be there because they want to be there. The experience is really being developed by the group that's there. And people who step forward or who share more, I will say, if you're somebody who tends to be more extroverted, I want to invite you to be more of an observer or be more of a listener. And if you're somebody who's, you know, maybe a little more shy, I want to invite you to maybe speak out. So, you know, sometimes that can be useful. Beth McLeod asks, can you talk about the Cosmic Elders study of clowning? During the early days of the pandemic, after the voiceover project had wrapped up and it was kind of like, what's our next move going to be? I mailed everybody in the group through the post a red nose. And I have experience as a clown that was really transformative for me as an actor. You know, it was really kind of a way that I came out of my shell at theater school. I went to a physical theater school up in Humboldt County called Del Arte International School of Physical Theater. And really, I wanted to learn about exploring acting from a physical place, from a movement background practice. So clowning was like this way of diving into eccentricity and really getting out of yourself and out there into the the world and really being present, really seeing the audience, breaking down the fourth wall. And I, I sent everybody in the group a red nose. Next time we were all on Zoom, you know, I said, okay, go get that thing I mailed you. <laughs> and we all introduced ourselves as clowns. And that began our work on our YouTube channel. You can see the Wiggle Room for Eccentricity is the name of that project. And we developed a whole bunch of clown content from just introducing those clown characters and kind of coaxing out the, the funny. <laughs> and also, I would encourage everyone to go to the YouTube channel and watch the Cosmic Elders. Thank you, Donna. I was just thinking in terms of eccentricity, it seems like this is something older adults lean towards anyway, so it should be quite a natural <laughs> and maybe also some way to be accepted as eccentric in public. Who knows? There's some chance with this. So I am also curious if your own creative practice has changed through your work with elders, if you were influenced in your own creative work. Yeah, there's been times where I found they're like a puzzle, like this is challenging or how is this going to work? Being flexible is probably the biggest thing. I've found again and again, we are all here showing up and that's the first step is to be grateful for everyone's time and everybody's energy level, everybody's outside commitments, finding my way to collaborate with what is and what we're working with at any given time. You know, again and again, I think the lesson has been about staying flexible, like rigidly flexible, flexible no matter what. <laughs> yeah, that's been, that's been really the big lesson for me, I think. And Carol Hayes says, will you be doing off the cuff again? And if so, when? And for all of us who don't know what off the cuff is, maybe you can also tell us. Yeah. So off the cuff right now, we're doing four sessions kind of as a bundle. And then we 
take a little break. And then we do another little four session bundle and it's 11 o'clock Pacific standard time on Mondays. And it is available for all older adults everywhere. It's on a platform called Leap. Yeah. Check out the Leap platform. That is one of the projects that Cabby is working on in Toronto. I want to follow up on that question because you said that that's part of the Toronto project, right? And that was sponsored by the Brain Institute of some sort? The Center for Aging and Brain Health Innovation. Right. Yeah. And so have they done any research to prove or show any changes by virtue of people being involved in improv or acting or whatever? I mean, have they researched it or they're just offering this? Bianca, who I mentioned is the executive director of innovation. She, believe it or not, has a theater background. And so in our conversations, she's been aware that the arts are so, so significant. There is a lot of research that she's aware of. I'm not an academic. (laughs) I don't profess to be, but she shared with me that this is researched and something she wants to include in her programming that she's developing. And so a lot of our conversations have been about how we can be subversive in how we infuse the programming with some of the things that are inherent in any collaborative process, but specifically in the theater making process. Theater is so unique in that it really is an all hands on deck experience. You know, it really is collaborative and does combine so many art forms. You're working with visual art, you're working with music, you're working with writing. And at the end of the day, you're giving what you make away as a gift to the audience. So I think it's really unique in that way for community building. And if you're lucky enough to connect with your audience and hear from them about what they experienced, you know, there's a lot that you can learn from what you thought you were making or what you thought it might be like to then hearing what somebody's experience was and then how that kind of gets added to the pot for next time. There's a lot of really good lessons. And, and, you know, I kind of think of myself as an introvert, believe it or not. I came into the theater as a young kid and I wasn't the loudest kid in the class. And I found a home in the theater and, and found space that I could make for myself. And I find again and again that For people who are kind of just starting to dip a toe in, it can be really wonderful. And I would say also that I notice about older adults and something I look forward to as I get older is that maybe, just maybe, I'll care less about what other people think about me (laughs) and become less self-conscious. And so that's really wonderful if you're going to be making something to not have those inhibitions. Well, it sounds great. At home was growing older in the theater. Beth asks, do older adults need theater background in order to enter into work such as you are doing with Cosmic Elders? Not at all. In fact, I think only a couple people in our group have a performing background. A lot of our folks, you know, who were at the improv class originally or who have found us later, and especially in the workshops I offer, I always say no experience required. That's great. Annette asks, Evan, are you familiar with the Association of Theater Movement Educators? It might be a good group to connect with. Yes, I I am aware of them. And yeah, I'd love to connect. Another great organization I love is Applied Improv. That was kind of a magic door that I discovered just over the last couple of years. There's all these people doing applied improv. It's like improv in these spaces that you wouldn't expect. Uh, social workers, all kinds of folks. So there's a wonderful international group of applied improv, AIN, the Applied Improv Network. They're a wonderful resource as well. Annette asks the question which always looms in the room, how can we afford to create art? Where do you get your funding from? (laughs) Never had any funding. Art is by nature working with what you have, working with what you have in a creative way. You have everything you need right now to make something extraordinary. 
you have everything you need. I, I would begin with what you have already. I would not goalpost way down, you know, if I have funding, if I get a grant, if somebody else gives me permission or gives me a space, use the space you have, use the resource and everything's a resource. I really think that your enthusiasm is the greatest resource. One of my early shows I made with my friend, Jamie, back when I was like 18 or 19, we had a show called The Hello Show. And we made all these characters just from clothes that we found. We gave ourselves $20. We went to a thrift store and it was like, find some clothes you would never yourself wear and make a character. For 20 bucks, we had all these ridiculous clothes, but all those characters became the show. Each character came up to the mic and shared what they had to say. And then the next one came, but it was just a really fun process. Some of my most wonderful and rewarding experiences have been shoestring to say the least, you know, <laughs> working with what you have. I wish we could all have seen the hello program. It sounds great. <laughs> especially in times of COVID, you know, hellos are really important. So I'm also curious if there is a creative exercise which you use both in your work with seniors and children, if there is an overlap. Definitely. There's a lot of overlap, actually. One of them, I'll invite people to close their eyes and then open their eyes and see each other. You know, something very simple, just seeing everybody who's there or having a group respond to something like clap of the hands, or I like to have people sitting down in a chair or standing or walking at the same speed or at the same pace with an awareness that nobody's leading. Those kinds of activities where you're really building ensemble, that's really, really valuable. And I do those kinds of activities with all ages. Is there any exercise you could do right now with us, which would work on Zoom? If everybody turned their camera on and, and we could be in gallery view, we could do a very simple exercise. Okay, so now if your hands are at the very bottom of your screen, start with your fingertips. See if you can kind of poke them out just from the very bottom of your screen. Not too much, just a little, little like peekaboo there. <laughs> and we're just gonna bring our hands up and place them on our head, but we're gonna do it at the same speed as everyone on our screen once we're all ready. Nobody's leading, we're all just following the follower kind of thing. All right, so our hands are gonna come up and then land on the tops of our head. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> this should be part of everyday practice on every Zoom call. <laughs> Donna says, what age group are the kids in Piedmont? It's eight to 12. And I've taught as young as four. I did a little storybook theater class at New Conservatory in San Francisco, and they asked me to teach four and five-year-olds. I thought, okay, <laughs> but you know, it's amazing. It's like putting a chair in the middle of the space and moving around, or we made a bridge and it was like, you know, who's the troll under the bridge? I mean, it's amazing how much kids at that age are just so willing to jump in. All they need is permission. And then I love working with teenagers. The junior acting troupe was the longest time I worked with the same group of kids. And I got to kind of watch them grow up, which was really exciting. And many of them are going off to drama school now. They're applying to colleges. I've written a number of recommendation and worked on monologues with them. And that's really, really exciting. But yeah, when I was working with junior acting troupe kids, they were like nine to 14, that kind of tween age. And that was an age that I really, really enjoyed because they know they can do it. They kind of feel a little bit like nobody expects much of them. So when you say learn a Shakespeare monologue, they want to prove that they can, you know, they want to show you that they can do it. Or if we're going to do fight choreography, oh, fight choreography. the fact that you're giving them a, a chance and that you're respecting them and saying, I'm going to trust you with this. This is, this is not kid stuff. You know, you need to really focus. There's something really cool that happens with that age group. I think when you kind of ask them to rise to the occasion. 
Yes, I wonder if all adults would be as excited about the same invitation. Donna also asks if you have done work with people with dementia. Yes, I did. Um, residency, when I first started talking with Bianca, that was one of the experiments. We worked on Zoom with adults with memory loss and dementia. And I found that really interesting because I would play a video clip I found on YouTube. There was one I found of a jacket that was on a, a stick and it was blowing in the breeze by the ocean. And it was just this video of this jacket blowing. <laughs> but I would play a video like that and ask, you know, what's happening here? And we build story from imagery or from sounds. There was a video I found of a window. There was a sound of fire, but through the window, you saw snow coming down. It was a frame of the snow coming down and the sound of fire. And so it felt like this intimate experience of looking out a window on Zoom. I could share my screen and show that, and we could all be in the house together, you know, and have conversations and act as though that's where we are. And they were really responsive to that. It was really, really interesting. Will we be able to attend the performance you mentioned in May of Cosmic Elders? Yes, and it's going to be from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock at the Harvey Milk Center on May 15th. Thank you, Evan. I also want to remind everybody that At Home with Growing Older is planning its next H-In event on June 4th, and it's all about elder wisdom, which is often an overlooked resource in these trying times. And I think it will be a really interesting conversation between young and old and bring these voices together and help us learn how to learn with and from each other. Storytelling is an important part of it, and that's exactly what you do so much, you know, in your work, Evan. So thank you, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Donna. Thank you all who participated. Really, really, really fun. And, you know, I, I know that you have a lot of fun doing it, which is what comes across. And that's so delightful. Thank you for inviting me. Have a good evening, everybody. Bye-bye. This episode of At Home On Air was produced by the At Home With Growing Older team. We could not host these conversations without the generosity of our marvelous and passionate guests and hosts. Thank you for sharing your personal and professional insights. Thank you to our live audience for your thoughtful contributions. To subscribe to this podcast and for more information, visit us at athomewithgrowingolder.org. Thank you to our sponsors, Rhoda Goldman Plaza, the jewel of San Francisco's assisted living and memory care communities, and the Walnut Foundation, a San Francisco family foundation. We would also like to thank, for their encouragement and inspiration, Encore.org, which works to bridge the intergenerational divide, and the Op-Ed Project, whose mission is to change who writes history. At Home with Growing Older strives to educate, inspire, and connect people across generations and disciplines to re-envision and improve the experiences of later life. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in for the next episode.